Welcome Toronto Rush and Ultimate fans to another episode of the Rush Report presented by TheForeCheck.com. Tammy Allen here with you and here we sit heading into week 13 of the season and the Rush are sitting in first place with a slight advantage over the DC Breeze. Their current position in the standings is thanks in part to a victory over the San Francisco Flamethrowers in the Cross Coast Challenge. It was a big game for the Rush, and they'll all be big games from here on out, folks. So buckle up, because it is going to be a very crazy finish. To shed some light on the season so far and navigate us through the 2017 Rush campaign, we have got a fantastic athlete and a gem of a guy, Rush cutter Andrew Carroll. Andrew, I appreciate you taking some time to come on the show. Uh, how you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. So you guys are coming off a pretty impressive win over a very, very good San Francisco Flamethrowers team. How do you feel uh, the Rush have rebounded from its somewhat shaky start to the season? Yeah, so it's something we seem to go through every year. Uh, just part of being up north probably is part of it, where we can't play year long. So uh, we do have five to six months where it's tough to get throws in, it's tough to get quality reps in, especially on a field the size of the AUDL fields that we play on. So um, we can do the con conditioning in the gym, but at the end of the day, we have very limited reps on a field that size before before the season starts. So I think that's part of it. There's a lot more parity this year. Teams are looking really good. Uh, Montreal's looking really good. DC obviously is looking good again. Um, New York has a star-studded roster, and I think I think they're going to make a push near the end of the season here. Um, Ottawa had some very competitive games. Uh, they've been missing a couple people recently because of different events, tryouts, and stuff like that. Um, and Philly has been much improved as well. So I think I think I got to tip my hat to the rest the rest of our division as well. So uh, yeah, it's not just us. People are giving us problems. So I will say that the team realized we had work to do. This is a team. A very competitive team. We've we're used to playing uh, competitive games, and I think those first couple losses at the beginning of the season really motivated guys. So I think the work we've been putting in in practice has been has very, been very matchup dependent, and it's been working on our systems as well to make sure make sure that we're improving and we can try to stay ahead of the curve here as we go into the playoffs. Yeah, parity is definitely the word. It's it's a buzzword that's in a lot of sports uh, right now, and you know you see. It talked about in the NHL, and you see it, uh, well, not so much in the NBA. Yeah, you brought up a really good point about parity in the AUDL, because some people might look at the standings and see, you know, Nashville, who's an 0-4, and, you know, Vancouver is not having a great season. And they might think, oh, you know, it's sort of the same guys at the top. But it, it really is a lot closer than I think people maybe thought, or, or even still they don't realize how close it actually is. So, yeah, you brought up a very good point about, about the parity in the league, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess something I would I would add to that as well is maybe maybe it is my perspective from being in the East. Um, I haven't been with the team as long as it's been around. Um, I think I, I joined in 2015, so I've only been on the team for three of its five-year existence now, I think, or going on five years. Um, and I know it was definitely, I wouldn't say an issue, but it was a lot more apparent in the first year that the rush was around in the East Division. Um Maybe maybe there is a lack in some other divisions. I, I don't think there is, especially the West seems really competitive this year. Um, most of the teams in uh, the South seem really competitive. Uh, and I, I know, just from the games we've played, I know the East is competitive. So I, 
I think there's room for improvement there still. I think if you add a Boston franchise to our to the East Division, suddenly that's another top contender, and I think all these other teams are going to get a lot better uh, in the next couple of years as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think parity, or at least approaching parity, is is kind of where we're at in the ADL right now. So we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of the season uh, with every game that's being played seemingly carrying playoff implications. So you did mention a few names just now, but who do you feel are the three best teams in the East at this point in the season? Um, so if, if somebody had asked me that before the season started, I would have, I probably would have said us, D.C., and New York. Um, I guess I still think New York is dangerous. Um and I think their win over Philly recently could be a bit of a statement to that. They do have a tough... I was just checking the schedule before this, actually, because uh, I was trying to see how things could shake out. And I was... They have a tough... They've played a lot of home games, and now they have a long road trip lined up. I think that uh, like four of their last five games or something like that, maybe more, are on the road. So that's going to be tough for them. And then just... So I think, I think the top three teams, the way it is right now, it's going to be tough to unseat them, unfortunately is the top three teams in our, our division at the moment. So that's going to be D.C., Montreal, um, and New York. And Montreal's put together a great season. i got to hand it to them. They they get handed us a loss at home, uh, which seems to be tough to do. So I don't know. I always think we could drop one to some of these teams. But, um, yeah, they really handed it to us. And uh, we'll see. We'll see them again in a couple of weeks. So, uh, but yeah, the interesting thing, is New York still kind of has their own their fate in their hands here. We play, they play Montreal, and uh, we play Montreal. So if if both New York and we take a game off Montreal, New York could be back in the hunt. But they do have to win out at this point. But uh, yeah, each team each team kind of controls their own destiny right now. If if New York wins that game um, and we win our game, uh, things are looking good for New York and Toronto. Uh, if Montreal wins both those games, they are looking really good, and they could end up taking first in the division. So Montreal is the linchpin for both of you guys in this case. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looks that way. I think everybody's looking at Montreal right now to see how they close it out, and and New York for that. I mean, to that point as well. Now, your game last week against the Flamethrowers was streamed on AUDL.tv, and it was a massive success. Numbers were through the roof, and I think that that speaks to the evolution of the sport and how it's gaining momentum day in and day out. You've been a part of the league and, and the sport for a while now. You've been entrenched in it. How far has this league come from where it started? Like I said, I joined I joined the team in 2015, I think. So I've only been with it for half of the AUDL's existence, I guess. Um, but even from the time I've come in, I like, I like a lot of the work that's gone into the social media side. Um, Evan Leppler does a great job with the Tuesday toss. Uh, I think I think a lot of people read that, and a lot of people get caught up in the league. They like to hear what went on in other games, uh, the main storylines, uh, the top tens, all this stuff. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's it gets it makes it accessible for maybe um, not your average fan, I suppose, to to run across this uh, collection of media at some point, and maybe maybe find it interesting maybe decide to look up a local team or something like that and try to come out to a game um so i I mean i don't really know all the operational stuff that's going on in the league uh but it seems to be growing uh the one thing the one thing i think that is huge is and i know the audl is kind of involved in some of this stuff with eric and and other things like that 
but it's it's about youth ultimate and uh, it's it's exploding right now. There's tons of kids in middle school and high school playing, and if you give that if you give that five or ten more years, you get to the point where everybody has probably played or at least seen a game at their school when they're in university or when they've graduated university. And that I think I think that's important for the league is where people have seen it played or they've played themselves. So when they see that there's you know a pro ultimate game near them or in their city, maybe maybe they. Yeah, maybe they actually go and check it out at the end of at the end of that. Whereas right now, maybe you don't see that people haven't seen the game, they don't know what to expect. They just you know they kind of write it off, we'll say, and uh, they don't bother checking it out. So, uh, but I think just the way that Youth Ultimate is growing right now, I think I think the league will definitely be viable uh, if it's not already in another ten years when all of these kids are out of university or in university and they're all interested in Ultimate or have at least seen it to some degree. Yeah, that actually leads me into the next question I was going to ask you. And, you know, grassroots initiatives in any sport is so important, but, you know, even more so in the so-called fringe sports, which I guess, you know, a lot of people may view Ultimate Frisbee as. And so we have the 2017 World Games coming up in July, uh, the end of July there, 21st, 23rd in Poland, and you're getting ready to suit up for Team Canada. So talk a little bit about what Ultimate Canada has done to grow and support the sport and its athletes in Canada? I joined Ultimate from competitively from high school. So after my 12th grade year and I joined, I joined Dirt, which was the Toronto club team at the time. So my first real experience with competitive Ultimate, I would say, was Canadian Nationals, Canadian Juniors in um, 2008 in Calgary, I believe. So... Well, I think without that experience, without that knowledge, and the Canadian Championships at the time, I might not have I might not have gotten hooked on Ultimate, I guess, or I might not have taken it to the point I've taken it to now. Uh, followed it to where I'm playing on a club team during the summers and stuff like that. Uh, so they've got that. I think, and I think it's great for juniors. I think the Canadian Junior Championships are an awesome tournament, and you're seeing a lot of competitive teams. Um, juniors teams have have grown almost exponentially because of those championships and because of the coaches getting ready for that. And in terms of supporting athletes, I think, I think the opportunity to play for your country is always, is always a really big deal. Um, so ultimate Canada, we've been dealing, Christian Marceau has been a great, uh, great organizer for us and she's making our lives a lot easier uh, in terms of preparation, because there's so much organizing that goes into these tournaments and hitting certain deadlines and stuff like that. So, uh, Ultimate Canada's definitely had our backs throughout the process, and uh, they're giving they're giving us the best opportunity. They've brought Mike Haddock in as as the strength and conditioning coach for the the World Games, and that's that's changed my training. I've I've had the opportunity to work with Mike for a couple years now, and uh, I'm definitely seeing the benefits this year. So, yeah, they're doing they're doing. A handful of things to make sure that they're giving us the best opportunity possible, really, um, and it's great. I think I think my teammates definitely appreciate it, and uh, we'll see where it gets us. I guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's something that I've I've actually been really fascinated with um, since I started working with the rush and, and covering the sport is the fact that you know you guys are pro athletes in every sense of the word, and yet maybe some people don't realize that you know, 
ultimate isn't your only profession. You, you have, you know, quote unquote day jobs. And so, you know, my sort of question and curiosity lies in, well, A, how you guys manage to balance everything and still perform at elite levels, which is crazy to me. Um, but also, do you think that Ultimate Frisbee will ever reach a point where the athletes in pro leagues, uh, like the AUDL, will be compensated to the extent where you guys can make comfortable living and not need the so-called day jobs? That's that's a good question. I guess I, to some degree, I like. I guess I might have answered that before. I think I think given ten years, when the youth youth aspect has grown and the youth game has grown enough that. Uh, that everybody's been in contact with the sport before. Like it would be like soccer. Everybody's seen a game of soccer at this point and probably played, uh, growing up. So I think, I think that potential is there. Um, whether it could be a full-time job, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it could be, it could be similar to lacrosse. And I think, I think most athletes in, um, major league lacrosse, uh, have their, have a salary. So, or at least cover most of their living expenses. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. I think I'd like to think it could get to that point. I think I really enjoy playing the sport, and I think people really enjoy watching the sport. And I enjoy watching the sport when I get the opportunity. So um, I definitely think the potential's there, but it's going to be a matter of time as well. So yeah, and you know, I mean, it because it, it it's not like you know you mentioned lacrosse, which which is a huge sport in Canada, um, and you know, I guess in to an extent in North America, but. I don't think it has the same global presence as Ultimate does. I mean, you have you have tournaments going on pretty much everywhere. You know, there's a team in Malaysia now. Uh, I was just reading about today. Uh, you know, a team of 15 is they're they're gearing up to try and compete internationally. So, you know, you have to think at some point um, they'll reach a point where the players, the pro athletes in these leagues will, you know, will be sort of compensated. I mean, I wouldn't, I think it's too early and too difficult to stretch it as far as being like, oh, you'll be paid like a, an NHL player or an AHL player. But I could see it getting to the, you know, sort of CFL ranks. I, I don't see why that would be an entire, like an extreme stretch to think about that. Yeah, I definitely agree with the point that it's it's got to be one of the most successful sports. So it's like it's like soccer in that sense. All you need for to play soccer or football, whatever whatever people call it, yeah. um, is is a ball. And all you need to play ultimate realistically is just a disc. So if you can get your hands on a disc, you can play you can play ultimate, which is definitely something it has going for it. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people express interest in the co-ed aspect of it, um, and there's some there's some kind of there are opinions out there that if it makes it to another higher levels it could be it could be in the mixed format um and then the the spirit of the game is kind of always what people call spirit of the game Mm -hmm. um sportsmanship is definitely a big a big draw as well for a lot of a lot of people looking at the sport so um but yeah like you like you kind of alluded to the the accessibility for ultimate and the and part of the reason it's in so many different countries and uh it's it's growing everywhere around the world is is for that very reason i guess yep well There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Carroll. Thank you so much again for hopping on the show and uh, giving us some insight and a little bit of the player's perspective. You guys have a couple of weeks off here now, so uh, I guess time to recharge the batteries and recoup after that game in the searing heat last week in Toronto. 
And uh, yeah, your next game, as you mentioned before, is uh, is going to be a big one, uh, like they all are against the Royals. So uh, looking forward to seeing you in that one. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Rush Report presented by TheForeCheck.com. I'd like to once again thank my guest, Andrew Carroll, for providing some really, really unique insight and giving us his perspective of the league and the game and uh, what Team Canada is doing at the grassroots level for the sport. Um, Great guy, great athlete. Looking forward to seeing him in a couple weeks. The Rush do have the next two weeks off and they are back in action again on July 8th against the Royal. And you can get tickets to that game by visiting torontorush.com, where you can also find team news and league news. So check them out there. Also, you can follow the team on Twitter at Toronto Rush and on Facebook at Toronto Rush Ultimate. I'm Tammy Allen, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.